0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Educator Innovator Hangout on Air. I'm Rachel Robertson, your host for this Hangout. I'm the News Education Manager at KQED Public Media in San Francisco and one of the coordinators of the Letters to the Next President project. Before KQED, I taught middle school English and humanities for 11 years. Today, we'll be discussing how we are continuing the conversation we started with letters to the next president and in other ways to focus on civic issues that matter to our students. Part of the reason letters to the next president focused on issues rather than candidates is because issues don't go away after an election is decided. And wow, we see that that has definitely been the case in the first month of the Trump administration. We are in a moment in history where civic engagement and action are on the minds of many of us. And as educators, we are looking for ways to work through the torrent of changes that are happening so far um, with our students. So tonight's discussion will focus on civic engagement that's happening around the issues um, of the first 100 days um, and also beyond. Thank you for joining us here today and a special thanks to our guests for making the time to be here. For those of you watching the Hangout Live, we encourage you to post thoughts, ideas, and questions via the live chat feature embedded in the video player, or you can tweet questions and follow along using the hashtag 2NextPress. That's hashtag next press. So let's start by doing a round of introductions. Give us your name, where you work, and then a little bit about what brings you to this conversation. Let's start with Casey in Montana. Hi,
1: everyone. My name is Casey Olson. I'm a 10th and 12th grade English teacher in Columbus, Montana and I've been teaching here for 14 years now and I'm also with the Elk River Riding Project and um, the National Riding Project's College Ready Riders Program. And I, I've just, uh, especially over the last four or five years, just seen the great benefit of civic engagement among my students and, and how it's really helped me accomplish my, my you know standards-based goals. Uh, but, but it's just made learning so real for my students and um, just really inspiring to watch what they come up with as, as we work through the issues that are presently in the news uh, and, and just unending feed of, of news and, and content for us to discuss, but um, all the while accomplishing what we need to accomplish. So that's what we're up to and excited to hear from everyone else tonight.
0: Great. Thank you. Let's move on to Cody, also in Montana.
2: All right. Can you guys hear me? OK, um, great. So yeah, my name is Cody. Um, I run our di- digital learning lab here at the Billings Public Library. Um, it's called the Tech Lab. We're a part of the Umedia National Network of Learning Labs, and so I've uh, done some work with the, the, the National Network, and I've talked to some of the people from the National Writing Project, and um, we just thought it would be a really great idea to do some stuff for the, nation- the Letters of the Next President campaign at the public library. Um, and we liked the idea of using the public library because it's, it's a place where the kids had to go, uh, you know, typically voluntarily, they come there of their own volition and they come there because they want to. Um, and so it was really interesting to, um, we had a few kids come the whole month to do the letters of the next president and just the conversations that we had was really great. So it was a fun way of engaging with kids who otherwise, um, you know, they can't vote, they can't do a lot um, on their own. So it was a fun way to do that. But then at the same time, we, um, we actually worked with a local writer. Um, she was doing some writing programs, so she uh, jumped on board with us. And um, we went out to one of our local high schools and did some direct programming that way for Letters of the Next President. So um, I think over between the two, between the school and the library, we had over 100 letters um, on the website. So, but it was really interesting with that dynamic with the schools. Um, we worked with the actual teachers in the English department and it was a school assignment, so they had to do it. But, um, but they were very great letters, but it was really fun contrasting that with the kids who came to the library and did it just on their own, um, just because they're interested and, you know, had stuff to say. So, um, yeah, it was really exciting, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to keep going forward with it and seeing what we can do.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. Welcome. Um, Kevin?
3: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Kevin Hodgson, and I teach sixth grade out in Western Massachusetts. Um, I'm the uh, ELA teacher and technology teacher. Oh. And um, I'm also the co-director of outreach with the Western Massachusetts Writing Project uh, where we're uh, shifting a big focus in the coming year around uh, civics and civic leadership of teachers. So um, part of this, I think, is just kind of thinking through ways we can kind of move forward as well. And although my students were too young to be part of the letters to the president's site, we did we followed along with what the older kids were doing in some ways. Um, and um, worked on Letters to the President, which we then nailed off um, on Inauguration Day, actually. Um, so, um, you know, it was an interesting project, and I guess we'll talk more about it as we kind of move along, but it's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Wonderful, thank you. And finally, in LA, Robert L.A. Lewis.
4: Don't forget to unmute, my friends. Okay, yes, we're on now. My name is Lilois Lois Beard, and I'm a fellow with the Los Angeles Writing Project and teacher consultant and co-director of our summer programs and summer camps during the summer. So my connection to the Letters to the Next Press um, started last summer with our summer camp, and, um, you know, we, we, we made it an integral part of our curriculum during the summer for the Secondary Writing Institute which is actually seventh grade through 12th grade and um, we have the unique experience of hosting about 30-35 students from the ABC um, Unified School District um, here in Los Angeles and they're from a migrant education program And so I think you can really understand the type of um, letters that were produced, um, videos, kind of, um, you know, picture and audio. And so thinking about moving on and knowing that um, we're going to host these students again is going to bring a unique situation where we plan to have them reflect on the first time that they wrote the letters and, and moving on to look at what that letter looks like now, knowing um, who the president is. So we're really excited. I'm not going to talk too much. I want to hand it over to Dr. Land. Yeah,
5: I'm Bob Land. Uh, I'm the director of the LA Writing Project here. And uh, we're together because we were just giving a PD for uh, some teachers off campus. Uh, and this was the closest meeting spot we could uh, come up with. Uh, uh, my involvement is uh, partly just making sure that all of the various uh, pieces of the writing uh, project work together uh, both with the professional development with teachers the uh, youth service programs and uh, uh, some of the other programs that I work with including after-school programs in the local schools because we serve uh, one of the most uh, culturally and linguistically diverse groups of um, uh, people on, uh, on the planet uh, uh, a lot of the issues that uh, arose in letters to the next president are the daily uh, substance of teachers concerns and students concerns in the schools and so I see both the sort of um, uh, overarching issues that uh, uh, are uh, of concern to children uh, and the uh, the more specific uses of the uh, uh, letters to the next president curriculum and uh, project that has been out and resources for teachers
0: great wonderful so we're all here because we were very active in the letters to next president project and we want to continue those conversations through the first 100 days and beyond of course um, and so one of the things that I'd like to use to ground our conversation tonight is just to get a sense from you of what issues are at the top of your students minds what are they thinking about what are they concerned about what do they want to keep talking about Um, And then from there, we'll move on to how that's happening in your various um, environments. So anyone can just jump in and share. um, And then as soon as you get a sense that everyone's kind of shared about what issues are are on people's minds, then we can move on to what's going on about that. So feel free to jump in.
3: Uh, I'll go first. Um, So um, I teach in a very uh, white suburban um, community. and although we did uh, quite a bit of work leading up to election and a little bit afterwards i think right now um the just, just like most of us maybe i mean they're confused by the pace of what's happening and hard to really kind of ground what's going on in their world so these are 11 and 12 year olds um and um and so it's been, as a teacher, I think, a little difficult to figure out the right inroad to be able to anchor those kind of conversations in a way that kind of makes sense to them and their world and, and in the larger kind of sense of what's going on. And, um, you know, the community where I teach in, um, well, the region I live in is very, in Western Massachusetts, is very uh, left liberal communities. But the community I teach in was a 50-50 split when we looked at the data of the voting. Um, so um, it's a very mixed community um, around uh, um, <laughs> political values, I think. So it's a little bit of a minefield as a teacher to uh, make sure that uh, discussions are very balanced and and mm-hmm. thinking through that uh, within the classroom setting stuff. I'd stuff. I'm always interested to hear how the teachers are kind of dealing with that. Um, and. Outside of school, certainly my views are um, much more um, active and advocacy, but I do try to keep a different kind of hat inside the classroom.
1: I, I teach in a, uh, a, a very rural community, <laughs> rural and conservative, and um, rural to the point where we have one traffic light in our county and it flashes yellow all the time um And uh, primary, primarily uh, Caucasian and primarily conservative, and there that's a minefield in and of itself too when, when we begin talking about these issues and we talk about um, you know protests on the, on the news and, and whatnot. And it, we started uh, with the college Ready Writers program back in about 2013, sort of using their materials and um, teaching students how to make source-based arguments, and that has really helped and opened up open up doors for us. And um, the materials there are for middle school and high school students. And um, it's given us, you know, material and lessons that teach students skills to, and, and then the tech sets um, cover, you know, modern uh, contemporary issues like drone use with law enforcement and um, military operations and police use of force. Um, but then uh, we've even played around with like uh, Nuzella's, uh Pokemon Go debate and whether whether it's dangerous and is it fun and um, so we 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 have these lessons with um, tech sets that we can we can go to but then we can also react to um, whatever's happening at the moment. So when the presidential debates come up, we could we could watch those and carry conversations from you know the the classroom into discussions um, and and even pull together, like uh, with my seniors, I could pull together my senior English class with my colleague across the hall who's teaching uh, senior government, and and we could have those cross-curricular conversations. Um, and that's really fed into uh, 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 what I call the, the position paper. And my, my students are taking all kinds of uh, uh, topics out of the headlines and, and just becoming more and more informed on those and looking at all All perspectives surrounding them and um, like that's happening right now in my class and there I've got a student who's looking more into NAFTA um, had had strong opinions about that we should get rid of NAFTA but now that uh, some things have unfolded in the headlines has decided that he wanted wants to look more into that because he's he's a little more hesitant about it Um, I've got another student who's looking at um, whether violent protest works or if peaceful protest is is more uh, is more effective and but uh, you know then then I have the the go-to's with abortion and um, anti-gun control and and things like that so um, regardless of what they look into I I just try to stress that they look at um, um, we we write a literature review of opposing the opposing side but then we also write a literature review of the the people that um, agree with them so we try to have all all sides covered and, and get get them really informed before they sit down to make their their uh, arguments about it.
3: I was trying to get a hold of you. I was making a comment, Casey, as you were talking, because uh, so those are really good skills, but they're not playing out on the political stage as we're watching what's happening out of Washington D.C. I mean, there's not reason argument, there's not listening to the other side of the debate. It's all. Kind of forward, one you know, who's who shouts loudest, and so I'm curious, like, how do you talk to your students about? Here's what we're learning in the classroom around how argument debate works, and yet it's not happening for the people that we're looking to as leaders.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, there's there's been calls, um, you know, bipartisan calls for changing how we um, structure our rhetoric around civic issues. I, you know I I know President Obama spoke about it in a State of the Union address I know Paul Ryan spoke uh, spoke about it in a town hall meeting, but you know I think we can realize that if we really work to build a culture I mean it, it takes a culture I can understand teachers who are hesitant because of you know that that Danger in the room of it of it spiraling out of control um, Deeply offending others things like that, but um, and I, I think that holds a lot of teachers back, but it, it takes that culture. It it takes um, building up students' ability to, uh, you know, engage in a conversation, respectfully engage in a conversation, especially with those that they disagree with, and why might, one w- might want to do that. And um, it's important, I think, for the civic issues. I think it's it's also important, you know, on for college readiness to, um, you know, respectfully engage with those we disagree with and be able sure, to hear all aspects. If I might jump in on that, uh, am I uh, audible? Okay, good. Uh,
5: I think that, you know, in some ways, we, in terms of public media, we live in a post truth society. But that doesn't mean that there aren't rules for understanding uh, uh, the world. And I think that that's always our job is to help students uh, to uh, master those rules. One of the things that we face, uh, and we have uh, about every uh, sort of student uh, in our community that you can imagine, uh, but we have an awful lot of uh, almost no information students. Uh, So not only are there literacy challenges with children who are learning English as a third, second, fifth language, and children who are... uh, uh, challenged by poverty and other issues. Uh, But uh, there's an uh, issue around not really understanding that it's going on. We, uh, in one of our districts that I've been working with uh, as an outgrowth of the letters to the next president, we chose to have the um, district-wide ninth through 12th grade uh, writing assessment be on uh, whether voting should be mandatory. And uh, what that would mean. Uh, So many of the teachers in introducing the writing topic to their students had to go back and spend several days talking about what's voting. Uh, We were, you know, this is not a group of children who even had, many of them had an idea that there was voting, that that was a thing. Uh, Not only weren't they voting, but they didn't know about it. Uh, So the entire we discovered to, uh, at one level that the democratic process was something that was uh needed a little bit of um, uh, uh shoring up and talking about and that was a very exciting and interesting thing uh so there's that as well as the uh awful fear that the children are uh going through uh you know uh worrying about uh, rumors about you know who's going to be uh, deported and who is going to be um, uh, excluded and then the teachers uh, dealing with that along with dealing with uh, the fact that uh, we have a broad range of beliefs uh, in our school systems and we need to be as inclusive as possible and being inclusive means including those who uh, disagree and inviting uh Structured reasoned way of talking about those disagreements, so it's really been a very interesting uh, really very interesting and uh, challenging time uh, But it's opened up some real interesting possibilities as well
0: One of the things I'm hearing a lot of is this sense of the work that lies ahead of us in terms of talking about the issues and, and making sure our students are specifically connected um, and one thing that I just struck me as you were talking is this idea of a culture, of building that culture um, where those conversations can take place, whether it's very detailed literature reviews, as, as Casey's doing in his class with the opposing and, and supporting viewpoints, or, you know, with 12th grade, or at the point where students are just learning the basics of, of what it means to be, you know, a participant in a democracy. Um, but throughout that is a, is a through line right, of establishing a classroom culture or a community culture where those conversations can happen. So maybe, you know, that's something that we can shift gears a little bit and jump off on um, in terms of, you know, thinking about, you know, our our audience and who's going to be listening to this and and what kinds of things all of you have done to build that. Um, Cody, you know, at the library with with students who are there by choice um, or with students who are there because they're in school and they have to be there. Um, what kinds of things have you found effective um, in terms of building that culture in your classrooms and, and spaces?
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, I, I want to say this for a bit, but you know, I really like the library because um, in the tech lab, part of what we do is is really relational based. So it's about um, you know working with the kids, getting to know teens, and building legitimate relationships with them. Um, And like we've been touching on, it's that idea of building a culture where they feel safe and feel comfortable talking about these kinds of issues. Um, And again, it's interesting being like an after school program because we get kids coming in and essentially decompressing. But um, it was really interesting during the election um, and all the uncertainty they were feeling about with um, kind of the vitriol and just like the bitterness in that election. And then afterwards, how they are still pretty unsure. And just like these conversations we have, but but again, like that relational aspect is how we kind of go about it, where um, sometimes they just come in and we'll strike up a conversation. and We just start talking about it sometimes, you know, I don't have to sit down and ask them, hey, like, what do you think about the the travel ban that Trump did? Um, a lot of this stuff just got naturally. Like, and that stuff just it just pops up.
0: Hey, Cody, could you repeat what you just said because you broke up a little bit? I think something that he was talking about was how students are spontaneously talking about this kind of stuff. They're coming in, and they're saying, you know, you don't have to ask them. They're, They're bringing the conversation to us. Um, and talking about that. Um, And so does anyone else have any experience with that and how you approach that and handle that when that happens and how you get those conversations to continue?
4: Well, you know, last summer having the migrant education students with us, it was the complete opposite. They didn't know if it was safe to talk about. Um, their ideas once they opened up about their concerns um, and issues and things that they wanted to bring voice to. So it took us, our program during the summer, it's three weeks, and um, it took us maybe halfway through the second week for them to trust and understand that they had a safe place to discuss things because Also, the students are the translators in their families, and they, from what I understand, after the program and after after their coordinator um, from the ABC Unified School District told us and shared with us, some of these students are looking forward to not going to college, but helping their parents wherever they're going to move, you know, with the crops or what have you, or working um, with them. And so, um, for us, giving them different, um, ways to express themselves in a traditional letter or working with, um, audio and video and doing something visual, um, really, um, helped them to open up. But we also had different mini lessons to, um, and some of it was just, you know, maybe a question on, you know, something that was happening in popular media to get them to kind of get going and, and understand and trust. But, um, I would say now I feel like when we see them this summer, um, I think they will have a lot more to say, and they will be very, you know, trusting um, in our ability to help them facilitate um, those, you know, articulate those issues um, that they're, you know, still concerned with are their new ones, and I'm, I'm thinking it will be about the deportation part of their parents, mm-hmm. you know, not only, you know. Um, you know, thinking about themselves, but now I think there will be an energy around the whole family, the parents, um, you know, where, where it will be a concern. So I just wanted to add that in is that we definitely had a unique situation um, and that, you know, they are conditioned to be quiet and to be silent and, you know, don't talk about anything because um, of, of how they came here. You know, um, originally, um, even though they may have been born here. And um, so we had to break down a a lot of different barriers during the summer.
5: And I think just to piggyback on that briefly, one of the things that uh, we had to do or I have to do as a, a teacher educator, as well as somebody who works with children directly, as uh, I had to talk to the teachers about making sure we were meeting the children's needs and what Cody was talking about with creating a safe place, I think is really incredibly important. And I remember now it was seven or eight days before the kids started talking. They were just sitting there, you know, uh, uh, you know, is it safe? Is it safe? It took a long time,
4: exactly. A lot,
5: of, a lot of help. So I think that making sure that the teachers understand that their job is not to promote a position, or to um, encourage a behavior of one sort or another, but their job is to help the children gain their voice.
3: That, that reminds yeah. me of talking to. I'm sorry, I'll just jump in real quick. But I mean, that reminds me of talking to teachers before the inauguration, because I was wondering if other teachers were going to watch it or not. And the majority said no, they were not, mostly because they were worried about the emotional impact on. Um, some of their students that are, um, you know, as you're talking about, kind of fearful of uh, what may be coming down the line for them and their families. And um, when we're talking about the welfare of our kids, I mean, that was one of the things that uh, that they were keeping in mind. And um, you know, I guess it just points to the kind of the state that we're in right now, where um, you know that's at the forefront of a lot of our minds. I'm sorry, cut. I didn't mean to jump in on top of you.
2: Oh, no, that's okay. And sorry about earlier. My my Wi-Fi cut out. I I eight hour allotment at the library. But, um, yeah, you know, just to keep talking about that kind of safe space idea. Um, you know, partly this is just, um, how I run the lab and how I kind of engage with the teams that come in, but we spend a lot of time, um, just making it clear that, you know, if you have a thought, if you have a legitimate thought or a position, like it's fine to talk about that as long as you're willing to look about, you know, think about why you believe that. I mean, um, and that's really what we do. We talk a lot about statistics. We talk a lot about facts. Um, you know, how do you correlate those things with like statements people make? But really, I want the I want the teens to get this idea that um, you shouldn't feel afraid to voice your thoughts, even if um, you know me. We'll have a conversation. And it turns out that that's not the best position to take, or it's inaccurate, or something like that. Um, you know, it it's fine to start the conversations with with you know with how you feel and what you think, because that's how substantial change happens, um, and you know, I I always think of this great example I had when I was in grad school. I had a, a class, and this uh, one of the students just essentially went on a rant um, that was uh, very inappropriate. And the teach the way the teacher handled it was um, so incredibly well done. Of you know, like not not just admonishing him, but you know, saying, "Oh, well, let's talk about that later." With you know, one one doing these things, um, and again, that idea that. Um, even the radical ideas, and you know, thankfully we haven't had anything absolutely insane, but um, but you have to be able to start those conversations and get kids thinking about you know, why do I believe the things I do and, and ought I think the way I do? Um, and that's and that's kind of what I like about the lab and what we do in there.
1: I, I, I just want to jump in with that as far as as building the the culture, um, you know, the, the flip side is that sometimes there's another population of students who are very quick to speak up before they know anything about what they're talking about. And, and so in the process of building that culture and that safe space, sometimes it's important you know, to, to um, teach those skills and the, like, uh, the importance of evidence. Why, why is evidence important when you, when you speak? Um, to, to have credible sources of information that back you up when you, you push forward an idea and and I find it helpful to bring in safe conversations before I tackle those uh, more controversial issues. So issues like the Pokemon Go uh, conversation, uh, they take it up quickly. They they might have strong opinions about it, but we can we can really work through skills, um, and and that lays the groundwork for more complicated conversations later Um, conversations surrounding say reality television or something like that like is it a legitimate form of entertainment is it is it dangerous is it harmful to uh, viewers and and so those are safe conversations that later lead to really insightful studies of more controversial um, more uh, heated discussions
0: That's a great point, and and Kevin in the chat box was talking about, you know, with his students, it's maybe younger students, the voice of their parents coming through, you know, like them just kind of parroting what they hear at home versus coming up with their own opinions. Whereas by the time students get to 11th and 12th grade, they're definitely ready to, you know, forge their own thoughts, but maybe need more guidance about that. Um, We have a question from someone in the audience about creating those safe spaces. And if letting students know about your own personal views are a part of that, or, if, or what, what are your thoughts about that? You know, it is kind of opening up to students about what you feel um, kind of help model the behavior of them opening to you? Um, or do you think it's, it's important to remain neutral when you're trying to create that space? What, what are
4: thoughts on that? little Lois here. Um, I, I think for us, we we needed to share and we were of like mind about living in Los Angeles and the history that we have with immigration issues before we even knew who was going to run for president. Uh, so, you know, this is always, you know, Los Angeles has always been a hotbed for especially immigration issues. So, you know, tapping prior knowledge of what we already understood um, to build that trust in the classroom and to get through them through you know the activity um, we, we did have to but th- there's a balance that you have to have in in the classroom about um, being able to go to neutral spaces as far as talking about for example immigration but we had to validate those feelings as well and so again that's a part of the trust when once they decide you know what I I do want to share something with you um, you know what my letter is going to be about. We have to first validate those feelings of whatever it may be. Um, of you know, sometimes you know some of the students were pretty upset about things once um, they decided to share. And how do you help channel that? But I think um, you do have to find a neutral ba- um you know um, balance with that and and. Um, and it, I think it just depends on your situation in the classroom, in your program.
5: I think, yeah, and I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, the, uh, our elementary uh, teacher colleagues' uh, perspectives because, uh, for me, I really have to tell my students, you know, where I am. But I also have to recognize not to make assumptions. There, I have plenty of students and colleagues who are of Mexican-American descent, who are not uh, at all as opposed to uh, the new immigration policies as you might guess. Uh, One of the things about living in such a diverse community is that there are more axes of diversity than you can possibly imagine. Uh, If I share my uh, views but let my students know that there are people who I love and respect, whose views uh, are quite different from mine, And that, uh, you know, that all I ask is that they reason those views, that they talk about them some. Uh, That might help with my students. Uh, But that's kind of who I am as a teacher. And I'm not sure that that would work for a lot of teachers. I don't want my students to ever think that they need to make me happy by saying what I say. Well, I mean, I think yeah. that, uh, I think for
3: me as an elementary teacher that um, I do try to re- I I do remain neutral um, and think about it a lot. I think because um, I know how impressionable my students are. Uh, I mean, something simple is that I put up a mentor text. A lot of them will kind of their text will look almost exactly like the mentor text, right? Um, and so uh, for political views, I I I bob and weave a lot when they kind of ask. About things and and talk about the larger world um, and how we all have uh, obligation to take care of each other and you know and kind of be able to have a message that resonates true to my heart but also keeps me on the kind of political middle ground there Um, and um, it's not always easy to do I would say.
2: Yeah, I I just want to jump in and and, um, just make a quick comment. You know, I'm not elementary, but um, it's really important, I think, on the one hand to engage in a genuine conversation. I mean, you just kind of have to, at some point, I would think organically um, kind of bring up what your own views are, you know, if you really want to engage with the kids that way, because, um, I mean, the teens I work with, I mean, they know if you're just going to try to sit on a fence and, you know, not not, uh, engage truly with them. Um, they kind of pick up on that, but, um, but again, the idea is that you need to be able to put your views forward and not, not address it as like this kind of polemical, um, standpoint of saying, you know, I I feel like a lot of times it's either you're at this end of the spectrum or this end, and there's no in between and you can't work together, but presenting your own views with this idea that differing views can coexist and, Um, be perfectly rational or justified like that's how it needs to be done I mean you have to be able to say these are my views and explain why you believe that and then say you know the opposing views can coexist in these kinds of ways Um, it's not it's not a one or the other kind of situation all the time um, which I think is really important to kind of address to the teens so so for me at the high school level in
1: a rural conservative community um, I, I really feel the need to stay neutral. And and I'm conflicted about that because I feel like we teach who we are. And um, I have a lot of strong feelings about that. But at the same time, I've just found it beneficial to fall back on logic and evidence as, as I'm negotiating this with students because um, it's part of my curriculum. And, and when I can fall back on that, um, have incredible sources of information, it seems to steer students toward better positions on issues that they can justify, that they can find that, that, that they can use to find solutions that that work and work for everyone. And that they can um, you know communicate In in rational logical ways and and bring people together rather than divide people and and that's that's what I've been really really working on Um, sometimes (laughs) Teetering on the edges of it and and feeling out of control, but um, it's a process and I'm I'm still on it
0: It sounds a lot like safe space can take a lot of different forms So given your situations, it could involve being very open about your views and and opening that up for students and or on the flip side, you know, maintaining a sense that evidence is is what we're going to lean on. um, And that, you know, remaining neutral is the best way to help students grow with their own opinions. So I think this is a really great diversity of viewpoints. Um, I do kind of come back to what Cody says. Uh, said about, you know, teenagers especially kind of knowing when you're, you know, hedging and definitely being able to detect that. Um, and so I'm interested to kind of move the conversation into resources um, that either you've created or you lean on um, to help you with the, those goals around keeping those conversations open and safe and rigorous um, and and still very productive, um, whether or not you're sharing your own views or not. Um, so does anyone want to Talk about things that have been very helpful um, in terms of keeping these conversations going in the way that makes sense for your for your situation.
3: Well, um, actually, I felt like we've had to take a break. <laughs> Maybe we all have. Um, so actually, we haven't done a lot of political discussions in class, um, given all the work we did leading up to election and um, where we are. Um, but so, I mean, a regular resource that we use is we um, we get the magazine from Time for Kids uh, that has a lot of great um, kid-friendly um, resources and discussion points, and um, and they have also debates in there that um, um, that allow me to kind of talk about some of the argument. Which actually we have, we'll move into argument writing later on in the year um, and do a lot of the things at a lower level that Casey's kind of doing in his classroom. It sounds like. Um, and, but um, also just kind of picking out literature and short stories that kind of further, you know, further the viewpoint of, um, again, how we kind of take care of the world too. So, um, like we're just, we just finished up, over um, well, right here actually, Watson's Go to Birmingham. Um, and we'll be talking about the children's March um, of Birmingham, which actually isn't referenced in the book, but is in the TV movie they made. Um, and we'll be talking about how kids, um, can become active in, on issues of importance to them. And so although it uh, may not be framed so much around the election, certainly the protests that are going on around the election will be part of that conversation if that kind of makes sense. So um, you know, I think pulling resources in to allow you to talk about things from different angles is important to instead of always head
1: on. Uh, in, in, in my classroom, I, I try to think of it like, uh, uh, like, a, the, like I can zoom in with a camera lens. I can zoom in and I can zoom out. And so like, there's, there's these broader national issues that uh, are, are on my students' minds that they want to talk about. But then there, we can also zoom in. Like when we need that break, we can zoom in and talk about local issues that affect our, our local community um you know some some topics that we've covered like uh, the local museum funding student project on um, the availability of rural ambulance services and rural road conditions and rural suicide rates um uh school dress code not native american sovereignty in our in our community so um that gives us a break from kind of the stress that it surrounds us with the what's what's Happening in our Facebook feed, or what's happening um, in our in our news feed on our news app on our phone, or something like that, and and let's just take a break and look at something that maybe not enough people are looking at locally, that that gives, you know something something that um, takes us in another another direction, still builds our skills and our ability to make sense of the world around us. Um, w- a project my sophomores and I are taking up right now is uh, you know the, the effect that humans have on the animals and environment and ecosystem of Yellowstone. And we're going we're gonna to actually take a trip to Yellowstone. We're get, picking up some funding and going to Yellowstone. And, um, but I think another part of that that's really important is publishing. And that was the beauty of Letters to the Next President is that, you know, even though they can't vote, students can vote before they can vote. If they can publish these, these op- opinions and thoughts and beliefs that they have, so, giving them a platform like L2P or Youth Voices, or even the local um, letter uh, opinion opinion editorial section in their paper, letters to the editor, um, it gives them the ability to join these adult conversations and and do it in positive ways, like that that poli- uh, positive solution oriented citizenship that leads to bringing people together rather than than dividing people. I think that really helps with the fatigue.
5: There we go. Yeah, and I can... Part of, uh, you know, if you just want the, sort of the specifics that we do, uh, I think some of the, you know, just uh, old chestnut writing project, things like uh, where I'm from poems uh, and, um, you know, um, my uh, my name activities. I think some of these uh, uh, starter activities that allow students to Uh, grow and express themselves and talk about who they are and start from the self and start from the personal. We always, uh, uh, even in the secondary uh, group, we often use the annotated map of the neighborhood activity if you're familiar with that, where the children draw their uh, neighborhood and label memories and think about which one they want to write about. Uh, Each of those things is a way to get into the personal experience but then situate that personal experience within a, a larger space in a community. Uh, For so many of our students, it's, a, it, it's really a matter of uh, helping them uh, find the courage to speak at all, to write at all, to communicate at all. And I think that uh, any way that we can come around validating their experience and helping them to, uh, to feel more empowered and un- unsilenced <laughs> I think is really a a good thing.
2: Yeah, and I was going to jump in. Um, It's interesting, again, from this unique perspective of the library, talking with you guys as teachers. um, You know, my experience working with the teens, especially after the election, is kind of the opposite. We And they get on the internet, and they get on social media, and they are just um, in the lab dealing with an absolute um, overwhelming amount of information um, sometimes you know just news sources online sometimes just memes and things from their Facebook feed um, and so we you know we have interesting conversations about um, you know like memes just kill me especially during the election I had people um, showing me memes all the time and, and we start interesting conversations about you know like what does this meme how does it work like what's going on in there like, um, you know a lot of stuff about Hillary Clinton, and we'd say, "Is this even factually accurate?" Like all those kinds of things. Um, but again, it's this idea that teens, after school, when they're when they're back on social media and and have access to all this information, it's just um, helping them kind of sort through it. And on the one hand, um, make sense of it all. On the other hand, helping them uh, just find good resources and good information because there's so much out there that's um, that's not very good, and so much that seems legitimate and it isn't, but um, you know, it's kind of like this idea of fake news that coming to the forefront, but we've been uh, dealing with it in in a subtle form for a while. But um, yeah, at the, in the lab, it's Cody, will you repeat that
3: last
0: sentence? Because I think you cut off.
2: Yeah, I was just saying, uh, you know, it, it's this idea of uh, like fake news that's coming out into the forefront now, but it's something we've been dealing with really subtly for a while, but at the same time, um, being, dealing with these, this massive amount of information on the internet and social media, really interesting conversations on and, and how we ought to think about these things and, and what they really mean. Great, thank you so much.
0: Um, I'm aware of the time, and we've got a little bit of a late start, so um, I, we are going to go a little bit past five, but not that much. Um, and so I just, I wanted to see who has any parting words of encouragement, um, maybe self-encouragement if you've taken a break and are getting ready to gear up again, um, about you know, where to start um, if folks aren't quite sure how to jump into the spray or um, how to keep the conversation going um, for those of you who haven't really taken a break but maybe take breaks every now and then um, with other issues. Um, Why is this important for us as educators to address? Is it? Um, And how can folks get started if maybe they haven't had a chance to jump in yet but are hearing every day that from their students that that's something that's on their minds? Does anyone want to start with parting thoughts?
3: Um, I'll start, sure. Um, I'm thinking of something that uh, Casey's talked about, actually. Um, and I think that one great starting point is to look to your own communities, right? Um, because that's the place where um, students have a chance to really not just have a voice, but I think be heard more likely um, and perhaps make a difference that's tangible and viewable and um, allows them to feel connected to their, the community they live in or go to school in. Uh, which then can become a step up or a launching point to the bigger conversation. So I think that idea of narrowing um, that kind of focus to the changes you can make to make the place you where you're in a better place, I think, is a great starting point for a lot of people. Um, I mean, I also think this, uh, you know, the whole um, idea of looking at uh, news and social media opens up a real opportunity for um, rethinking how we do literacy instruction around reading and, and other things that is clearly so important to be able to do. And um, I think um, a fair number of us probably kind of ignored it as this tan, you know, this tangent on the edge of the internet, um, only to realize that it was at the center of it all along. Um, and so I think we, re- we as teachers all need to rethink how are we helping our students navigate? Um, through that idea um, of the the flood of information, as Cody was talking about, um, but also to be able to curate um, the curate the information that's coming. I think we need to do more in that aspect to give to empower our students to to figure out what's what's real for them and and how to make sense of it, without becoming another echo chamber where they only feed in what reinforces their what they believe in to begin with. So that's not right either.
1: I, I agree with Kevin. Can I just say that? <laughs> um, I, um, I, I would just agree with all of that, and I, I just think any time that we can set young people up to become informed and learn and teach themselves how to become informed, whether it's, whether it's um, you know, that, the fake news angle, or it's social media in general, which uh, is, a, is a dominant part of their reading, on a daily basis, um, just teaching them teaching them to think critically about about the information that that moves across in front of them and um, being able to evaluate and and in some cases debunk. But just back to that that basic foundation of you know the importance of the informed citizen in a democracy and when you get informed, the importance to speak up and speak out.
5: I'm really excited about uh, going back to working with uh, our uh, migrant education students in particular, but also uh, to uh, continuing the letters uh, project. Uh, I think that uh, if I were a teacher uh, picking my head in or a parent or a community member, I would probably, as a starting place, go to the website, take a look at all the resources uh, there are tons of things. There's nothing better, um, nothing better in my life than having a uh, uh, something to do on Monday morning. And there's so many wonderful resources on the website that it's really uh, a, a plague of riches. And I'm excited about introducing more teachers uh, to those as as I move forward in my work. Uh, the other thing that I would say is reach out to your local writing project site because uh, one of the you know. I can almost guarantee you that there are half a dozen teachers who have used uh, the uh, curriculum, have used it in many different ways, had lots of different experiences, and could uh, tell you what it's like from the actual uh, uh, perspective of somebody who's on the ground uh, doing what they do.
4: Yeah, I I think... um Our students are coming back probably with um, a renewed interest in it. Um, I think there's something to be said about them. All of the students that participated in this first wave, um, knowing that they're a part of a a larger group of of students that are mobilizing, you know, for change. Um, I think when we think about what we can do, I think that's the first thing that was on everyone's mind after the presidency. It didn't matter which side you were on. It's like, what do we do now? What can we do? And so I think students look to programs like ours. So they look to their teachers, people that they see every day for those answers um, to help them figure it out. And so um, this summer we'll be using video diaries as a way for them to start from the letter that they wrote last summer in the program as that springboard for new writing about this. And so I'm really excited to document that part of, of it and, and, and how will they engage and understand now with President Trump in office um, how that changes for them. But I, I think... Um, you know, you have to have a balance there, I think. And I think one thing that the students appreciated um, about us in our program is that during the summer, it is about creative writing. And Letters to the Next President was actually one of, it was like probably not a mini lesson, but just one of the lessons with an overarching theme of roots and little did we know how much that would be connected because all of our summer camps have, um, we have a theme and it happened to be roots and so it went, it just folded right in with the idea of, of the letters. So um, I think, you know, that they know that they can be creative um, and that with that, you can still have that civic engagement, but in a creative space. And I think that's what was really successful for us is that we could show them different ways, not just you're writing the traditional letter, but many students actually wanted to do, use their audio, use their voice, actual voice, plus these images that they appropriated from the internet. So um, I think you have to be creative in your approach as well. Um, But for me, the, for this group of students that this idea they're living this idea already. And, um, you know, we just look forward to continuing that journey and having a culminating event. what really helped also is that the parent that the students knew that there was going to be a culminating event, a publishing party, and that kind of goes with what Casey talked about and, and and all of us is you know the publishing you know what they've actually accomplished and and seeing that culminate and so having another Larger culmination this summer of looking at video footage and then you know also having them read will be an exciting um, time for us as well.
5: Absolutely.
4: Yeah, great, Cody. Very brief last words.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll I guess I'll be brief, but um, I just want to say, you know, just to add on that, uh, as educators, as people working with youth, it's, it's important to keep in mind that, um, are ends in themselves and that you know a lot of the time like we said they're they are just specters of their parents and their views in a lot of ways but um, but they're at that age where they're starting to come into their own they're starting to develop their own ideas their own worldviews and it's really important to keep in mind that, that you're helping them develop those ideas and those worldviews and you know sometimes it's just like I said um, an echo of their parents but um, Treat them as ends in themselves, and realize that they are, you know, fully rational, intelligent people. Um, that just they just like they like learning, they like figuring things out. Um, and I can remember when I first started thinking about these things, I'd be like, wow, I really feel like I have a good grasp on, you know, the world or politics or, or you know whatever it is. Um, it's a very exciting feeling. Um, so uh, that's just that's what I would throw in there. Is you know just just treat them as. Uh, as the rational people they are and it's it's really inspiring i think when you when you get them excited about it and um give them a platform to to develop their views
0: wonderful thank you all we are now definitely out of time um but i wanted to take the last minute to, to thank all of our guests and those of you who are watching um one quick plug in reference to bob's um the treasure trove of riches on the Letters to the Next President site, which is full of resources. Um, We've recently repackaged some of them into a local election-issue toolkit that allows you to kind of take the the project and localize it. Um, So that's kind of fresh on the site um, and something to to take a look at. Um, If you'd like to keep up to date on future opportunities, um, please sign up for the monthly newsletter at educatorinnovator.org and follow Educator Innovator on Twitter at at innovates underscore ed. So thank you again so much for your time and we look forward to seeing you on another upcoming webinar. Thanks so much.